Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get free download and free 30-day trial at www.audibletrial.com slash screenfellows. Over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash screenfellows. Welcome to the newest edition of the Screenfellows podcast. My name is Carlos. And my name is Ozzy. In today's episode, we have a couple of guests, and we're going to be talking about... Black Panther, in-depth. Enjoy the show. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And where are we going? Ozzy, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. Really excited to hear some people scream. How are you doing? I am doing very, very well. And I'm a little tired, but you know what? The excitement of this episode is just, it's brought it all away. Like, I'm good. I'm good to go. Um, and there's something very specific that I do want to get to before we actually get into Black Panther, but... I will introduce our guests first so they can join in on the fun. And I will start with the growing ever more frequent guest, Brianna, our writer for the website ScreenFellows.com. Brianna, how you doing? Uh, you know what? I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I would be at the end of a 13-hour shift, but I'm, I'm doing pretty good. That is good. All right. And also joining us today... We have the returning guest yet again. When was the last time you were on? I'm trying to think. I think it was Justice League, maybe. I could be wrong. Uh, we, have, we have TD joining us. TD, how are you doing? How's it going, people? How's it going, Brianna? Um, yes, that is correct. Justice League was the last time I was on the show talking, <laughs> talking about the masterpiece that, that was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what a contrast. And just a- I know, complete contrast. It's funny to see in the commercials for the Justice League digital release <laughs> during Black Panther weekend. It's like hilarious. But uh, quick reminder, guys, I don't freeze. <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> well, before we get into it, um, I have something to play um, for Ozzy and just for everyone out there, just for the enjoyment of hearing this. Um, here we go. Listen in on this from a previous episode. I don't think it's going to be 200 million. I think that's I think that's just like really, really, really crazy. Oh my if you ask me. <laughs> Boom. I didn't, think would, I didn't think you would actually play that, man. All um, right. So let me just say, if you don't know what's going on, I predicted many, many weeks ago <clears throat> that Black Panther would make 200 million opening weekend. As of right now, last time I checked, it was at 201 for the three-day. Ooh. Man, it feels so good to be right. And I found that just so I could play it on the podcast because I was called crazy on my own show. On my own show. Thank you, Ozzy. You know, Carlos, if you're going to be a dick about it, next time I want something, I'm just going to freaking, you know, play it back audio from what you did. I'll be like, play it. Play it. I'll be like, ooh. All, All right. right. You, know you won the first year. You won the first debate of 2018. Whatever. I'm lost. Yeah, Ozzy, you gotta you gotta uh, give that one to Carlos. That's I'm giving it to Carlos. I don't want to because at the end of the day, it was this guy. I gotta with it, so whatever. I I gotta jump in here. When exactly was that prediction? I made that prediction. Ooh, I made it 
uh, via Twitter. I can't remember, but I think that episode aired two weeks ago, I think. But I think I, I made the prediction on Twitter before then, so I don't remember exactly when I did that. But why? Well, Scott Derrickson, by yeah. the way, who is uh, the director of Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. he tweeted way back, way, way back, last June, that he didn't, he wasn't as specific as you, but he did say Black Panther would break records. And this was back in June 2017. So, you know, you have some competition. Granted, he go. probably saw like an early cut of the movie <laughs> and already kind of knew. Had some inside information, but uh, yeah, good call, man. Good call. Yeah, but two oh one, that's pretty specific. That is pretty. That's pretty spot on. That is pretty yeah, spot that's, on. That's a pretty small margin of error. That's commendable. Yeah. I'll, say, I'll say this about the numbers too. Like we've seen in every step of the way how the actual numbers have beaten out the estimates. Mm-hmm. So it was it was maybe like two months ago. The estimates were this movie was going to make between eighty and ninety million. Yeah. Like, which is ridiculous considering where we've been Absurd. now. And that was so low. And I'll tell, I'll say this as a token black guy on this episode. <laughs> the funny tweet that I saw in response to that as original estimation was, oh, I think, I forget what website put, put that out, but someone quote tweeted that and was like, oh, you must have no black friends. <laughs> it's like, there's no way this movie was only going to make 90 mil even way back when. Oh but at every step of the way, it's made more and more movies to the point where I saw it today, guys, for the third time. The theater was still packed. I think it's even going to make more estimated to make on Monday. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy uh, weekend, really. It has. It has. Um, yeah. I, I, have, I was definitely enjoying watching those numbers go up this weekend and up and up and up. So that was tons of fun. As well, on top of a great movie. Uh, so if you didn't hear our spoiler-free review and you haven't seen the movie, then you should probably go back, listen to the spoiler-free review, and then definitely go check out the movie. So, but as of right now, we are going to be talking spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie, you might want to bow out because we're going to really dive into this movie. Especially the thing that I had to bleep myself um, for the last episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen the movie, this is your last chance. All right. Let's get into this movie, and let's start with the people who weren't on our spoiler-free review, so let's start with TD. TD, what were your overall thoughts on this movie, and you can get as spoilery as you want. Overall thoughts, uh, to be quick here, guys, I think this is the most profound thing ever done in a superhero genre. I think there were things attempted in this, or things successfully done in this movie that other superhero movies have not even tried. Um, and there's, there's reason for that, but I think overall, like the debate of whether it's the best or, you know, where there's a rank, you know, that's still debatable and, you know, with time, you know, things really stand out. But I think bar none, there's the amount of depth and richness to this movie from the overall like conception to actual finished product. I think this is as deep as a Marvel movie has ever, has ever gone. And I think any superhero movie has ever gone. And mind you, my favorite superhero movie, just for context is, you know, obviously, Dark Knight isn't a isn't a stratosphere of its own. I really love the Winter Soldier, and I really love uh, Logan, um, and so that's kind of like I, what I see as the cream of the crop. So, me saying this is the the deepest of the bunch is, you know, I I think that I think that's it's, it's definitely worth it of that. All right, Brianna, what about you? I also loved this movie, and I would agree that a lot of a lot of 
what I saw in Black Panther had not, uh, at least um, in the MCU, was very unfamiliar to me. I think that um, T'Challa is more sophisticated than a lot of his peers in the MCU. Um, it comes from probably his noble heritage, and I think that because of that, um, <clears throat> the whole movie tends to be more sophisticated, which is something that I think has been lacking in at least last year's Marvel movies. And so, I, you know, I loved watching, like, the the tempered approach to the humor, and I love the, you know, getting intimate with conflict and emotional turmoil, and I thought that this is how this should definitely set the tone for the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, now that we're kind of outgrowing the the standard mold, we should be following this pattern. Obviously, Infinity War is going to uh, take us in a more somber direction. And so this, is, this should probably set the tone for how the rest of the MCU should play out. And for me to say that, because this is one of my favorite franchises, is a big deal, I think. Yeah, definitely. All right, um... If you listen to our last episode, our spoiler-free review, you will notice that we talked probably 90% about Killmonger and 10% about Black Panther. <laughs> uh, so I think we are going to start out with actually talking about the title character um, in T'Challa and Black Panther. So let's start with him. What do we think of Chadwick Boseman in this role? What do we think of this character and how they brought him to life on screen. Uh, Ozzy, let's start with you. Um, I, th- I think they did a really in- great job bringing him to, to screen and just seeing his accession as, as king and, and, and dealing with, um, you know, those problems as a king. Like I said in the, in, the, in the spoiler-free review, I mean, this film did something unique with this character, and what they did was they showed the problems with being a king and the difficulties being a king um, not only just the king, but also, you know, you know, being a good man. Um, and I think you, you brought up last time and his, it's a line that his father said, you know, you have a great heart, you're a good man, but it's very hard to be a good man and, and to be a king. And you definitely see the struggle with, with that he, that he has in this movie. So I think they really captured that really well. And he was kind of, you, you know, you're kind of seeing his father's point throughout the movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, TD, what do you think about our title character and the performance? Yeah, I, I thought it was, I mean, I, the the thing you heard coming out of this movie was just how well uh, Michael B. Jordan was as, as Killmonger, well, for, for good reason. But I think, you know, Chadwick's performance is much more subtle, you know, much more. It's similar to, you know, you hear the Killmonger comparisons to the Joker and, like, people kind of forget about Christian Bale in that movie. I think it had some of those similar tones where, you know, the hero is kind of like the consistent standard, but then you have the villain who comes in and is like the highlight. Um, so I see, you know, like T'Challa was the bringing back to sports, which, you know, you know, well-versed in. T'Challa was like the Spurs, whereas like Killmonger was like the Warriors. Like someone was flashy and the other really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I just think, you know, I think it was really good. I think one thing that stood out to me, just oddly interesting to me enough about his character versus other Marvel superheroes, for one, it wasn't as fantastic as, you know, we've seen in the past from the leading man in the Marvel role. Like, both, even him and, and Killmonger were very much more like 
more or less normal, I would say, more kind of grounded. Like, yeah, you saw how they got their powers. Literally was by taking, taking the, you know, the heart-shaped herb mm-hmm. and, and whatnot, and, and that was stripped away multiple times. So you, you had those, both of those guys not with superpowers still performing in the movie, and I just think that overall as a performance, you know, that, that was interesting, and that obviously was intended from a story point of view. But things to note was... Um, he was not as built as most superheroes are. Like, mm-hmm. Killmonger was massive. And T'Challa, oddly enough, wasn't. I thought that was pretty interesting. I guess he doesn't need it. Second thing of note was, unlike other Marvel superheroes, he doesn't really have, like, a male, like, partner or a psychic or anything. Like, the women, are, the people around him are all women. And take it from me, I grew up with Force Mom. Like, he had nothing but women around him. Like, mm-hmm. so you had Zuri, played by Force Whitaker, was more like an uncle to him. And then you have Daniel Kaluuya's character, who was sort of there every now and then. And you see they were sort of buddies, but he was more an adversary than anything. Mm-hmm. His, his circle, his crew were all women. And I thought that was just a huge, like, different contrast, a refreshing contrast, uh, as opposed to the other Marvel superheroes. Yeah. I would kind of argue that uh, the CIA agent, played by Martin Freeman, he was kind of that comic relief side character, but... To a lesser extent, to a much lesser extent. So yeah, he was part of the crew, right? Like yeah. he wasn't like his go. He wasn't. There was no roadie here, right? Mm-hmm. There was no roadie at all. There was no um, uh, Ant Man. I forget his his sidekick in that movie. I know it was Michael, uh, Michael Pena's, Pena's character. Mm-hmm. That, that there wasn't that going on. So yeah, it was it was fascinating to me for sure. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Brianna, do you have anything else to add to Chadwick Boseman's performance and uh, just Black Panther in general, the character? Um, I think in particular, it's worth noting that I was not a huge fan of his introduction in Civil War, uh, just because that movie was already so crowded uh, that his the way that his introduction was handled uh, when we were so unfamiliar with him, um, I was not optimistic uh, for where they were going to take the take the character, and I was floored in in this film by how um, the direction they took him. I was astonished by my emotional response to his, to his struggle. And I'm going to say, I'm going to bring out my less than popular opinion at this point. Um, I was not terribly impressed with Michael B. Jordan. Um, Oh, I told you, I told you, bro. Oh, Be man. prepared, man. I, oh, I, I would, no, words. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> His character was enveloping. I mean, I, I even said in my review, which you would know if you already read. Yep. Subtle jab. Um, that <laughs> I, I, his character is fascinating, and that's why I was a little disappointed by. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the more um intimate moments and the more heartfelt moments that's when i was that's when i did you know enjoy his uh charisma more but when he's coming on the scene he's supposed to have this air of you know pompous this pompous you know atmosphere to him i was pretty disappointed just because i didn't feel like his performance matched the depth of the character that he was portraying if you like think about the character that he represents and the threat that he represents 
everyone else around him is responding in kind and he does not i don't i just didn't feel like i was that i was taking i didn't feel like he was taking it so seriously that he was just kind of saying things and it didn't feel super natural super it didn't feel very natural um so i was more on the t'challa side of things where I felt like his performance more matched the character that he was portraying. And because of that, it felt a lot more, uh, it felt right for me Mm -hmm. to be drawn to T'Challa as a character more. I mean, I, I don't know how much I've talked about my love of villains, but I love villains. Okay. I, I love villains. They're the instigators of the plot. And so it takes a lot for me to say I was let down by a villain. Um, but I, uh, that's why I'm more, that's why I gravitate more toward T'Challa. And uh, that being said, I was could not have been more pleased uh, by what they did with his character in this film. And I felt that uh, Bozeman's portrayal of him uh, met the um, emotional resonance that they were trying to get. You know, he's mm-hmm. got to portray three different struggles. And, you know, this is the spoiler review. He... Um, he has to cope with, you know, the crown, uh, and he's also got to cope with the loss of his father. Mm-hmm. He's got to, uh, you know, deal with, you know, some uh, pretty major physical injuries. And I just thought that, you know, he's portraying this conflict very well. Yeah. And so I, I cannot wait to see him in every other marvel movie ever (laughs) they need more of him yes in every marvel movie (laughs) yeah Uh, i definitely want to (laughs) go back to um the michael b jordan aspect of things but (laughs) that's not gonna go away is it (laughs) Uh, probably not Uh, so but i do i do want to talk a little bit for myself about um Chadwick Boseman, because I, I'm glad you brought up his multiple struggles in this movie and how he's able to kind of bring those to the surface. And because I, I completely agree with you, I think he does a great job at uh, just being able to let us feel every struggle he's having. He's really yeah. good at that. And one, the one that clearly resonated with me, and if you know me, you know that this one is probably the most obvious, but the father-son aspect of things, like when he went back and talked to his father, those scenes, and even when Michael B. Jordan went back and talked to his father, those scenes really, really worked. And that that father-son relationship is a huge, huge and very important thread in this movie that I thought was one of the most successful ones. Um, I really enjoyed that, and I think a lot of it has to do with the performances. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with Ryan Coogler because... We definitely need to talk about Ryan Coogler. Uh, and that's he, what he does. Uh, yeah. He's uh, all, all three movies, the father-son relationship is absolutely central to all mm-hmm. three of them. Yeah, definitely. So I, I I just loved that aspect of it. And that that's the thing that, like, because I saw a, a couple comparisons, and I, I mentioned this on the uh, spoiler-free <laughs> review, but I saw a couple comparisons to The Lion King, and I was like, all right, that's kind of an easy more than fair that's a lazy comparison but it also it makes tons of sense like if in that aspect especially so i i was like yeah after seeing the movie at first i was like that's a lazy comparison but then after seeing the movie you're like that makes total sense so it, it it definitely um works on that front um 
Now, I do want to talk about Michael B. Jordan because, like I said, we spent a large portion of the last episode talking about Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, and as soon as you him. said that, I was like, this is not going to go over well. <laughs> um, Before we jump to yes. that, though, I do, I do want to point out, I think one of the better scenes, and you just kind of mentioned this already, yeah. Carlos, was the second time T'Challa talks to his father, T'Chaka. Like, that was a really well-acted scene. Yes. Like, that scene of him saying, you guys are all wrong. You guys did it wrong. And, and he's not just talking to his dad at that point. He's talking to all the ancestors, right? Mm-hmm. So it goes back to the line in comparison where it's like, hey, you can always look up and talk to all the you know kings of the past. And that's literally what T'Challa was doing, except he was telling them, y'all do is all messed up. Yeah. So I got to go back now and fix it. And like those are just beats and just little moments that you do not have in a Marvel movie. Like You just don't have that. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, I forgot to mention this is my overall points, but... There, I, I've talked to a few people, and I would even say I experienced this a little bit myself, where you, the first time I watched it, it's like, it was awesome, but like, it didn't have some of that superhero spectacle. And so, but like, after I watched it again, once you let go of that idea that you're supposed to have that awesome superhero spectacle, you really appreciate the movie as a whole. Because mm-hmm. this movie, again, intentionally was not necessarily about that. It was about other meaningful things, and that's why you have room for, for scenes like the the flashbacks and beginning an ancestral plane for those kind of scenes to breathe. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was, more, that was had more emphasis than like the usual superhero spectacle. So I'm all for it. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you notice how different T'Chaka, how differently he treats his son in those two scenes, mm-hmm. you know, in the first one, he's there to kind of comfort and advise his son. And, you know, you're, seeing the connection between the two of them, but that's before he, that's kind of like, you can see the sun setting behind them. And that's kind of like the sun setting on T'Challa's like, you know, ignorance of Mm -hmm. their mistake. And then in the set, the second time that he visits his father, his father has a completely different air about him. He is standing, uh, very tight posture, very, agitated look on his face he you know it's pretty subtle but i picked up on how differently he was acting around his son the second time around and the sun is rising in the background and you can see the formation of um t'challa's identity as a king Mm -hmm. and his relationship with his father changing as he's as he's you know standing there on the ancestral plane before his father it's it's like TD said it's really those are the very important scenes because that's where the themes make themselves present but I just thought it was interesting how you know T'Chaka in those moments knows that his secret is out and that his his son's opinion of him is changing and you can see the agitation reflected in his posture and his facial expressions and in the way that he speaks with his son Mm -hmm. he's not really advising him anymore he's just saying yep your time has come to be with me now. And, yeah. you know, he's very short and, with his son. And so, anyway, I just thought it was really, you know, another dimension to to those scenes. Yeah. And the changing aspect of it was, um, is really also important as well, because I really feel like this is one of the first times we have a superhero kind of character basically completely changed his mind by the end of like he completely changes how he views everything he's willing to change in this movie um and i 
thought that was actually pretty compelling because we don't really see that, especially in the Marvel movies, because they they try to let their superheroes be like the foundation. Um, so they they don't, you know, they're super. They're they're just they're there and they just kind of they believe what they believe. And we've had a little bit of change here and there throughout the movies, but in this movie, he really like his view of the world of the world as he knows it changes and i thought that was actually pretty compelling especially not even yeah. <laughs> you're good. i'm sorry no you're good um I, but i was just gonna say especially taken in context with just the w- w- wakanda as a nation because if you do think about it like wakanda's um isolationism and staying out of the fray of basically all of history um is problematic <laughs> at best so and i like that the movie actually addresses that and it doesn't just kind of brush over it uh so yeah i i don't know um ozzy you've been kind of quiet how what, what do you think of all of this i mean i think you guys are all pretty spot on and um <laughs> like i like i just i just i mean i haven't really nothing to say because you're, you're already talking about it but all right. i just rewatched the i just rewatched the film myself today and uh, i mean i i noticed it second time around um the relationship between him and his father um kind of digressing and, and kind of breaking apart um and kind of his view of his father you know he kind of looked at his father as as more as his hero you know somebody that he wanted to be um and you know and and their first their first scene together um T'Challa was just like dad you know i want to you know i want to be I want to be a king just like you, you know? And then the second part of that was just like, I don't want to make the same mistake as you because you caused this, you made this, you created this, and now I have to I have to fix this wrong that you created, and you've all done it wrong, which is what CD was saying about the other kings. Um, so it was, really, it was really fascinating just to see that relationship kind of evolve and adapt in a negative way towards the end of the movie. Yeah, definitely. All right. Especially no, since no, that you're good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> Go for it, Brianna. <sighs> I was just gonna say that carries over from Civil War. His sure. whole motivation in Civil War, the, the his whole contribution in Civil War took place because he was avenging the death of his father. And so for that change to take place in this movie, it, that's a complete one eighty, mm-hmm. basically. Definitely. All right. Uh, I now now I think it's time. We got to get to the <laughs> we got to get to the Michael B. Jordan of it all. Uh, Can I jump it on this one? Yeah, I definitely okay. want to hear your thoughts because you had a tweet that you quote tweeted from like yourself from years ago, and I actually remember when you tweeted that, and I completely agree with it, and I am so glad that he's playing a villain now. But take it away, TD. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I'm pulling up that tweet right now. Um, I mean, it was just one of those. It was right after I watched uh, Ryan Coogler's first movie with Michael D., which is Ryan Coogler's first movie overall, um, Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've been a fan of Michael B. since way back when, since it was Wallace on the Wire. Um, and for me, what was what was fascinating what was fascinating for me was just watching that movie. I tweeted at the time, and this was, shoot, let me look back. This was um, 2015, 20th. Uh, July 20th, 2015, and I said, saw Fruitvale Station this week. Michael B. Jordan does darker inner rage so well. Goes from nice, good-hearted kid to legit angry like that. And that's what's so funny is, like, that was his actual entire arc for this movie. Mm-hmm. He, first time you see him is a nice little kid in Oakland playing hoops, which, by the way, was some of the best uh, basketball playing scenes in the movie. 
of all time. My pet peeves about movies and sports is that they always get the sports scenes wrong. That actually was pretty good, decent basketball playing by kids, just, just putting that out there. But you see him as a little kid before the credits roll, and then the next time you see him, he's like this fully formed, you know, ex-Navy SEAL, absolute, like, killer machine, killmonger, all that. And his scenes with his anger are done so well. So I, I, I respectfully disagree when, you know, when Bree says she, she doesn't think that matches up. What I think he does, and why one of the reasons I love this film so much is that they bring an aspect, quite frankly, of a black, of a black character we've never, ever seen in the Marvel Universe. That's, that's not the answer. It's something we've never seen. No, no. But it is to say, Michael B's, Michael B's character had a swagger to him that we've never seen in the Marvel Universe before. I'm always talking about, yeah, Rhodey has been in the Marvel Universe. Falcon has been in the Marvel Universe. Um, Nick Fury has been in the Marvel Universe, but he, obviously he's older. Michael B. Jordan brings a young guy swag to this and which we've just never ever seen and he walks with that and he talks with that like this little lines from the very jump where he goes um and you know in the artifact museum and he goes now i'm just feeling that you've never heard that before in a marvel universe movie when he talks to when he first shows up and he says no i'm, I'm here to take your house and um he announces his real name and he goes hey auntie like those are moments where it's like you've never seen anyone talk like this when when t'challa returns um on the battlefield on the final act it was like he you know he, he says his name and michael b jordan responds it was like what's up like you've never heard that before so like his whole entire character had that swagger to him and for me that's why it matches up so well like he's over the top his pompous but he's still charismatic and he has that swagger to the point where his actual score and his theme of this movie and we'll talk about the score later because you know i love my score <laughs> yeah it has that to it. It has that that beat to it. It sounds like straight up hip hop because that's what he was like. And so there's and it was it wasn't shied away from at all. And so for me to see that being a fan of hip hop, being you know just being black myself, straightforward, like it was dope to actually see a character like that in the Marvel universe because quite frankly we've never ever seen that before. And yeah, he he's been doing Inner Rage so well. Fruitvale Station, that was what he was. Creed, that was what he was. And for this. It just all kind of made sense. There are little, a little areas here and there where I think it cut corners. Uh, you know, in the final battle when, when you know, T'Challa strikes him with that final blow. I think that change happens super quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it pays off really well at the end where I forgive it. So, I mean, the one issue I had other than that was like the line delivery before the final battle. I just thought that was super, super canned how we just delivered those lines. Of like, you know, I did all that just to kill you. I think that could have been redone. Other than that, man, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, I am also a huge fan of Michael B. Jordan in this movie. Uh, I I completely agree with you. He has this, he has something with, like within him, and he's just, it's always just bubbling there. And it's like, exactly. you, you can tell like it's about to explode. And in this movie, he kind of, kind of lets it go. But at the same yep. time, you can still see it's there. And something our guest said on our last on the spoiler free review was that he kind of represented this clashing of identities that a lot of and I don't want to speak out of turn, but that a lot of black people feel where it's like you are here in the United States, but you also have this mysterious kind of past ancestry yeah. in in Africa and wherever in Africa. Yep. So it's and like you're not 100% sure, like you you have you want to be 
who you were raised to be. But at the same time, it's like this. And, and Michael B. Jordan, he in this movie, he's able to kind of embody that constant battle where I and I do want to talk about the score, too, because it's so good. Uh, it's like this mixture of hip hop. And also it's got some sort of traditional kind of feel to it. Yep. And it just, it blends it all so well together. And it's just like, I love everything they did with Killmonger and everything Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan did with the role as well. Hey, don't, don't, for, don't forget that B. That's the most important B in yeah. like naming history of all <laughs> it's time. True. It's B, very true. The B Jordan. Yeah. A little bit more important than, than M and M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know why that M is. But that, that's more. But no, I'll just quickly add on to that because I know Carlos and Embry want to jump in. But um, yeah, so like the themes of the character, right? The storyline to to what he to what he is. And for those who don't know, I am legit both. I'm legit African American. I'm also African. My family is Nigerian. I was born in Atlanta. I've essentially spent half of my life in Nigeria and half of my life here in the states. But you know, ATL, LA, and where I live now. So I, I've seen both sides of things. There were times in my life where, yeah, I was full like Nigerian and. I grew up around majority of people that look like me. And at times where I've been here where it's like, yeah, I'm definitely African-American scale where, and I've seen that conflict. I've seen that conflict between, you know, not just, you know, between African-Americans and, and other folks, other races. I've seen that conflict between African-Americans and Africans. But there is that divide. That's why I respect this movie so much for touching on all those aspects. So, yeah, I completely understand his character and where he's coming from. Obviously, he's extreme. Obviously, he's a mm-hmm. villain. But... The themes and the, the actual the actual story and motivations behind the character, I'm completely on board with. I was just giving props to his actual performance. Yeah, the train. He just had that with an additional level of swagger, which, again, we're just not used to seeing in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, Brianna, I guess we should probably give you a chance to uh, come back at us if you would, would like to. I mean, it's my opinion, so... <laughs> Fair I, enough. <laughs> um, I, I mean, obviously, like I said, there's... Uh, this character I found very charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character. But I didn't feel like his performance... It's just the performance that didn't work for you, necessarily. Rose, rose to the emotional depth. Because I connect with the story. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, I, I thought that the... Um, his character story had so much potential mm-hmm. for new for nuance that I didn't feel like he explored it. Um, I I don't know. Maybe it's all right. Uh, I, I I'm agree not to disagree. I, agree yeah, to disagree. I, <laughs> I'm sure. I, I, you know, I I'm, I'm uh, go ahead. No, so I was going to say like yeah, there are some bits and pieces why I think he could, that could have been explored more. I think the the journey between when he kills Ulysses Claw to arriving in Wakanda, I think that happens super quickly. Again, I think it also happens super quickly how he, you know, the stab happens and then he switches. However, like I said, because of the payoff to that to that end scene, I, I personally forgive that, but I would have loved to see him sort of like get more screen time. He shows up in London and then doesn't show up again for another 40 minutes. So yeah. there is, there, it's odd that he gets second villain. I understand why. Obviously, he's the villain. He's the, you know, probably the biggest name cast-wise right now, I would say, even probably bigger than Bozeman going into this movie. Agreed. But it was odd that he got second villain because he would, I am pretty sure he didn't get, you know, he, he might not have been top three in screen time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, so that was kind of odd because early on you don't really see him. So that's where I think they could have done the character more justice. I, I just, uh, as far as the performance goes, again, maybe I'm just so excited at the fact that we actually have 
someone who has elements of hip hop in the Marvel universe to to see like the, you know maybe some you know downsides. But I, I thought he was, I thought it was all around was was on point. Definitely, definitely. I actually take notes during the movie, and um, before I saw any of the rest of his character, uh, even in that museum scene when he poisons that that woman, I wrote down. He is disappointing me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in his performance already. I've seen I and th- but that was because I didn't know anything about his character backstory mm-hmm. and because I was so invested in what was happening elsewhere in the film that for me to be taken out of it by something so uninspiring was you know multiply disappointing. He became more engaging as we learned more about him, which is why you know, I, I'm really hyping that his character was fantastic and his performance was a little underwhelming. You know, I think he could have used a little bit more nuance um, because, you know, it's he seemed to be playing it pretty straight. I feel like in anger, there's a lot of hurt, especially where his anger comes from. And I feel like that could have been, that could have come through a lot more. And I feel like the whole rest of the movie was really was really emotional and intimate and was about struggle and for it, for it to have a villain who was just so like cut and dry. I'm angry all the time and I'm going to make you well aware that I'm just angry all the time. And it was like, you know, I, I thought that there could have been a little bit more conflict there because especially from, from that hurt wells out confidence and arrogance, you know, because he feels like he's owed something. And I've, that's what I was missing. Maybe I'm just putting too much there. You know, I try not to critique films based on what I want to see, but Mm -hmm. based on how well they did what they presented to me. Um, But I don't know. I just feel like the rest of the movie was so incredible that for that element to be lacking, that that was a big deal for me, Mm -hmm. which is uh, probably why I'm, expressing more disappointment in his performance than you guys seem to be. Um, But I feel like as, uh, again, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here as the whitest person here, maybe I have the, maybe I have the least say, maybe I have the least say. (laughs) I don't think think that's, yeah, go for I don't think that's up for debate. (laughs) No, no, that's fair. But just to quickly jump in there too. Like again, I think it was more so there any qualms with his with what happened with Michael B's character, I would say is the fact that there's a lack of screen time early. Um, again, yeah. seeing him in London and then the girl that was on his team, I thought that was kinda awkward how that was handled. Yeah. How you don't see her until, you know, the lady's on the floor and she takes a break and I would have loved to see her prior to maybe hand a cup of coffee to the lady. I'm maybe a scene with Michael B and her prior, you know, prior to the to the to the museum scene, because then you see them kissing in the ambulance afterwards, and I thought that was kind of awkward. That was that kind of threw me off guard. Uh, <laughs> and eventually, it pays off with the whole, you know, you know, Bonnie and Clyde line that you will see Claus delivers before Michael B takes them all out. But it was, I felt like that was kind of left on the cutting room floor. There was more interaction between him and her. Maybe that could have shown some of the other sides of him that are not like on stage angry. You know, it might have shown some more nuance to his character. So. Again, if anything, it might have just been we needed more of Michael B. I just don't. It wasn't a matter of when he was on screen; he was disappointed. I, again, that line where he flips from asking the lady about where all these artifacts are from to 
menacing in a, in a blink of an eye, that to me is fascinating. That yeah. to me is from charm to just absolutely like rage in that moment. And it was like, whoa, that's scary. So I, you know, I felt that. But yeah. Agreed. Ozzy, what do you think? Yeah. Dude, man, I, I loved Michael B. Jordan's character. I think this is one of the most fascinating villains uh, MCU has ever uh, had um, in its cinematic history. I do. Um, just to see a lot of the problems that previous villains have had is that people don't understand the motives behind uh, the villain. But here we sympathize with the villain and we, un- we 100% understand where he's coming from. Um, and in a way, you know, it's kind of nuanced because they're Black Panther, uh, T'Challa and him are kind of going in a are kind of parallel if you think about it. They both lost their father, um, but they both grew up in different places. Um, you know, and, and they're just, they took their, they took that loss and they took it, T'Challa took it in a positive light and he took it in the, and, and, uh, and Killmonger took it in a really negative light. And, um, I agree with you, TD. He does bring a, a swagger to him and he does bring a sort of confidence that we really haven't seen before in the MCU. I mean, I remember in that museum scene, he was like, no, nah, don't worry about it. I don't, you know, I'll take it off you. And I was like, yeah. what? That's crazy. I did like um, that. If I can admit, I did like that. Yeah, he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll take it off you. And I was like, damn, that's that's insane. Um, and then the the line where he delivers, hey, auntie, I was, was like, dude. <laughs> that was hilarious. I was like, dude, this guy is insane. This guy is like killing it. And um, and when he's and when he's you know absolutely just screaming at screaming at the Wakanda, he's like, this is your king, and he's just beating the crap out of um, yeah, oh yeah, T'Challa. Like you know, he was like, this is your king, like this is who he is, like this is who you represent, like this, like this person you representing. I was like, I was like, this dude is bringing a ferocity to this to this country. Like they're scared, and you can see the fear that he's bringing in their eyes because they're not used to having someone so ferocious approach approach them, and they're seeing their beloved king just absolutely just get demolished by this guy um can we talk about I, that for a second yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, let's talk I, about I, <laughs> it was that i don't know if it's more one-sided than batman versus bane part one round one or if it's i don't i think it might be like it, the thing I, with batman versus bane was that it was a longer fight and it, it was still ha- seriously one-sided whereas t'challa versus killmonger it seemed fairly close like the final 30 seconds when Killmonger just absolutely just was just murdered him. Like, right? <laughs> so like it, but it was up there. It was one of the most visceral ass whoopings a superhero has ever received. And at that point, you know, it's to me like Dark Knight Rises, that was a third installment. So you already seen Batman whoop some ass. Like we've never seen a, a superhero get beat this bad this early on in, in his own movie. And it was, it was an ass whooping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dude, I mean, this guy got thrown over, out of yeah. waterfall, I was like, "Damn, like this dude just got wrecked." Um, I've and seen it, was it three just... times, and and every time it's still so like insane to me. And then the performance of Angela Bassett and you know Letitia Wright at that moment is insane. I feel you know you feel their hurt, you feel their 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 anguish, you feel their fear all in that moment. It's it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everybody who was in that scene, who was involved in it, you know, looked looked heartbroken you know they were scared um and you know the whole cast just who was there in that particular time was just was just acted the scene so well um i just think that scene was just so visceral and that we needed that scene in this movie just to show um how powerful that he is i wish they would have kept him alive i wish that they didn't kill him because i feel like he was a villain that had the possibility to be redeemed um i felt like there could have been more to that character 
Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, this was one of the best um, Marvel villains that we've ever had. And I loved Michael B. Jordan's performance. I mean, I thought, I mean, you, you, especially that, that scene that he had with Sterling, uh, yes. Sterling K. Yep. Bounds, yep. Um, that was just riveting, you know, and you kind of see Michael B. Jordan kind of, I mean, you, you see it cause you know, he, there's a, you also seen like the kids, his child version actor, you know, Yep. Also, talk to Sterling K. Yeah, but you know, you also see Michael B. Jordan as a. I also felt like I saw I saw the kid within him while he was mm-hmm. playing uh, while he was playing him because he was just like you know maybe maybe we're not lost maybe maybe the, maybe they're lost. Yep. yep. Um. So you can tell that he misses his father and that he's just doing everything um, for his father basically because he wants to. You know, he says none of these people are going to be oppressed anymore. Like we're going to give them the weapons to. To overthrow these governments, and that's what uh, that's what his father wanted to do. So it was just you see him trying to fulfill his father's wishes, basically, which I thought was poetic. And yeah, and 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 sorry, guys. I know I'm talking a bit here. I've just <laughs> had so much to say on this. Um, but um, we already alluded to the final line of of Killmonger's final line. But another line in that movie, which was really really strong, was when he is talking to his dad, and you know, in the vision, and he talks about because I like, know tears for me, and he says. No, everyone dies around here. It's just it's just what you're used to. And like again, it's subtle. It's you know in there in the movie, but like a line like that, you're just not used to hearing in a Marvel movie or in a blockbuster movie this uh, this large, where it's like they're tackling real stuff right here. They're telling trying to tell you like, hey, I grew, this is where I grew up, man, and this happens on a regular basis. And that to me it was just like again one of those moments where it's that coupled with his final line. It's like. I listen to the Levitard show a lot, and he Levitard always says, "I'm not trying to tell you what to think. I'm trying to tell you that you should think. Like just, just think." And this movie makes you think in the moments you're not you're not expecting it to. So yeah, I wish he would have stayed alive as a character because how well he you know Same. how well it performs. But the final line and him saying, you know, bury me in the ocean with my my ancestors because they knew death was better than bondage. Like, man, we we might never have another chance to deliver such a line to such a massive audience. And for that man, that you know, that really, it really, it should make you think, and it really made me think for sure. Yeah, I mean, it definitely had me thinking. You know, um, like, and I agree with you. You know, where else would you have put that line? Um, yeah. But again, I mean, it's all like it, it, it's conflicting because it's a really great line. It's a really great delivery in the line, but at the same time, I just felt like he was such a great villain. Um, I, I felt like maybe he could have been redeemed. Or, you know, maybe he could have been back to, to mess around with him again, mess around with Black Panther again. But, I mean, again, I mean, I absolutely loved uh, Michael B. Jordan's performance. And also his, his um, also just his chemistry with Andy Serkis. And Andy Serkis oh, was another one. Yes. That Andy Serkis killed it. Uh, every time Andy Serkis was I made screen, it I was... Dying at this man. This man was so good. And again, I wish this man had more screen time. Um, and I get is a national treasure. Yeah, I understand. I understand why we didn't see Michael B. Jordan as much because, like, when you have Andy Serkis, okay, he has to be at least at, at some like some <laughs> some sense he has to be in your movie. Uh, you know, and he, man, he was killing it, man. And every line that he delivered, I was in. Um, especially that museum scene. He was like, Oh come my here, god, come here. Come here, come here. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna let you go. Just, just don't tell anybody, okay? And he's like, "All right." And then he's like, I, I, that was "You great. know, I'm not an amateur. We I mean, expect the crime scene." <laughs> and that's—I feel like that's some of the nuance that Brianna is talking about, where it's like obviously he's a villain, he's a bad guy, but like in little moments like that, he has like little 
obviously he's an experienced like arms dealer at this point. He's you know he's been around the block as opposed to Killmonger, who's still young and you know has this one goal in mind. He had that experience and that flair around him where he just walks into the, the casino in Korea, all like he owns the place, and then obviously in, you know you know in the crime scene he's just like he's almost able to like play with it and just have fun with it. And you know he was you know he was great man. He was uh, I understand that you know for story purposes and whatnot he probably needed to go and he probably doesn't have any more contracts or any more movies in his Marvel contract. But yeah, he was great. I loved him. Yeah, man, I would have loved to see him in more stuff because he I loved his performance in this movie. He killed it for me. Um, <laughs> and he, oh God, he was just so funny. I remember no, when he was I'm asking just... for like the SoundCloud account for his. From one of his guys, like, yeah. hey, you want to, can you get the link from the SoundCloud? It's like, what the hell, dude? This <laughs> <laughs> is so um, great. <laughs> going back to when their decision to kill off um, Killmonger, mm-hmm. I, I think that I often think that redeeming the villain is kind of a lazy option. I mean, obviously, this is a Disney franchise, and they want to appeal to as many people as they can. And, you know, a lot of young children went to see this movie and, um, if there's the potential for redemption, you know, you would think that Disney would exercise that option. But I, I think that this movie is about conflict and it's about, you know, this, there, this was a complete arc. I think that keeping him and redeeming him would have cheapened his character. He Agreed. had a motive. Agreed. Huh? Hundred percent agreed. Yep. Yeah, there's there's a um, he has a purpose. He serves a purpose to the story, and that purpose would be diluted by keeping him on. Because if you were to keep him alive, you would and maintain any kind of relevance to the story. You would have to change his mind. And this the um, point that he has the you know his, re, his the whole reason for his you know, takeover of Wakanda is so crucial to his character that, you know, he, he would rather have death. Yeah. No, you know, and, and so I, I think that that would have compromised his character. And I think that uh, even in guardians of the galaxy two, there were choices made that I thought were to appeal to a lot of people that were, uh, coming at the expense of the care of um like logical character development and obviously that's pretty pedantic of me um (laughs) but you know i don't think that most people would go into that movie and be like that's you know complain about that but in this case i think it's way more important because the movie wasn't um it wasn't your standard disney movie it was dark and it was emotional and it was complicated and i think that putting a stamp on his character arc and letting him, you know, die for something gives him even more significance, you know, rather than Loki became less of a villain and he stayed on because he was a fan favorite, but not because he was not because he stood for something. He's, he's a fan favorite because he's hot and he's a fan favorite (laughs) And he's a and he's a fan favorite because he's emotionally tormented, and that torment brings him back and forth, and that's crucial to his character. But that's not part of of Michael B. Jordan's character in this movie. It, he is resolute, and he would rather die for his yep. cause. And I think that's you know I think that uh, as as 
conflicted as I am about Michael B. Jordan's character, I can agree that they made a good choice in letting him die for what he believed in. Definitely. And I would also add to that that in a way, he kind of lives on with everything that Chadwick Boseman's character in T'Challa takes away from this experience. I, I, mm-hmm. I really think that that... You're right. He's, Michael B. Jordan's character, Killmonger, served a purpose, and that purpose is not lost on T'Challa. I, I really believe that, and I think that it he was a major part in why what we were talking about before, why T'Challa changed so much throughout this movie. Uh, so definitely. It, it, but even if it does make complete sense, and I completely agree with you, it is still nuts that they had two probably A to A-plus villains in this movie and killed both of them off. Like that's yep. kind of crazy, but yeah. it's yeah. also. But that, I, that, I get it makes sense. It makes sense. So yeah, but don't. It's like with the movie, right? Like, don't blame the kid for the sins of his father. Yeah. I think that's what we're doing with Marvel, right? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, in this movie, it made sense. Yeah, granted, the Marvel movies have done have you know done stuff in that in that same fashion where it's like don't do it again. But for this movie, it absolutely made sense, and it was it was kind of essential. Less so, it was his claw, but. You know, it was definitely essential for Michael B's Michael B's character arc. Yeah, definitely. But I, you know, and I think that contributed to. Uh, I I agree. I I would say that he's probably one of the most memorable Marvel villains. Um, and I think that is a huge. You know, his death was a huge contribution to that reputation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Um, Man, we've talked about a lot uh, here. I mean, I, I hope we still have a lot of time left because the one thing I would say about this movie is I don't think this movie, more so than any other movie, isn't about the lead and the co-lead, right? Like, mm-hmm. again, I already said, like, outside of name, this argument can be made here that Michael B. is not the co-lead in terms of screen time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this I think this movie works so well and is so good in terms of world building. And I'll make it personal again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably, like, three, four years ago, and I'm watching... I forget what I'm watching, but I might be watching Game of Thrones and, you know, my girlfriend at the time. And um, she actually is also actually just like me, African-American, but also African. But she actually grew up here and never grew up in Nigeria. And but she, her her question to me that as I'm watching Game of Thrones is like, this is awesome. But like, and she was a big fan of Lord of the Rings, too. She's like, this, this is awesome. But I want to see this with like black people. I want to see mm-hmm. like, and what she was saying was the mythology. It's not about having just black characters. It's like. Let's you know what's the where's the science fiction where's the you know superhero adventure like where's the world that is the mythology is, is it has to do with an African nation or a black nation, uh, you know you know a minority nation mm-hmm. like where is that and this movie delivers that in you know t- tenfold like it's this is like the first solo quote unquote especially for an origin movie that I feel like I I left this movie knowing five characters and having legitimately like five to six good characters from Mbaku to Okoye, who was fantastic from the very jump, um, to obviously to, obviously to Shuri, like even Sterling K. Brown's character. He mm-hmm. was there for two scenes. He was, you know, you know, memorable. Sterling so K. Brown, this, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? So like this movie, more so than any other Marvel movie, like it, yeah, it was sold as, you know, as an origin story, but it really was an ensemble cast, how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why when you look at the top five of all the movies that it broke records with, it's number five, Star Wars, Last Jedi, um, you know, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Jurassic World, Avengers, and then this. This was like most of the... Like most of those other movies, this too was an ensemble cast, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how it really plays off because of how well 
they built the world around the main characters. So I think we're doing this over the service if we're not talking about Ubakus and Koyes of the world as well. Yeah, and it's distinctly African as well. Like, it's not just African for the sake of being African. Like, it very much feels different from what we're used to seeing. Um, I was just about to say that. I love (laughs) that it's not... I think I wrote in my review or in a different article that I was writing about this movie that what I love is obviously I love diversity, but I hate tokenism and I hate pandering because I think it devalues, you know, what I I think it's the opposite of the proper motive behind diversity and that I did not at all feel like this movie was Mm-hmm. was token you know there was no this you know this token movie about black people you know we have a collection of movies and now we have to do one for black people i thought it was very genuine yeah. and it was incredibly fresh and original and i thought you know it's this familiar premise this i mean familiar premise in that it's a superhero movie it's a superhero origin story but it's got a brand new element in a new environment and there's more you know obviously you know it it only makes sense that 98 percent of the cast is black (laughs) and when it makes sense and it and it contributes to the story you know then it it's that's why diversity is such a great thing and uh, you know i and i thought that it, it it did not feel pandering even a little bit and that's what I loved about it. Yeah. I mean, the talent, talent behind the camera were also minorities oh, yes. and mostly black in this sense, right? And, you know, from, you know, with writing to, you know, Evan Kendrick coming in on the music and the story oh, there. Obviously dude, being, Kendrick. I know, <laughs> right? Kendrick. Can we talk about Kendrick? His, <laughs> his, his album. I've been, I've been preaching with his album for, like, the longest. I was like, when I heard Pray For Me, when I was hearing, like, uh, Yep. Him and Ben Staples collaborating yep. in the in the church. I was like, damn, this is this is great. And my sister, she's ten and she's bumping into the music. She's like, bro, what? Woo. I'm like, yeah. oh, relax. I, let, let's um, talk let's, let's talk about the music here briefly then. Let's talk about the music briefly though. So like, obviously the Kendrick album was there, but then there's also the score, but yeah. really quick on um I really love like what they did with the credits and you know, once the credit rolls and he, all the stars with Kendrick and Scissor is playing, that was really fantastic. The visuals there look really good. Reminds me of the Captain America Winter Soldier like credits, and I love that as well as I also love that movie. But then you move on to the score. In addition to obviously the great tunes, already talked about Killmonger's theme was so Ludwig. I don't know how to say his name. Forgive me, but Ludwig is his first name. Look it up. And Ludwig he, uh, Gar- Garanson. Yes, yes, it, that sounds about right. But yes. no, his one, one thing that really makes the score really work is that the beat drops like fantastically in multiple different scenes and for those who don't know when the beat drops is when you know you get that beat at the right moment and it just hits perfectly and it's oh it's a very hip-hop thing to do and Ludwig is I believe he's Swedish but he's worked on hip-hop albums he worked with Childish Gambino quite a few times and obviously Childish does more than just hip-hop but he also works in music a lot of composers sometimes either do music or uh, movies and but he does both and so I think he was spot on with just knowing the perfect times to just drop a beat. Like, Michael B., when he announces who he is in the, in the throne room, the beat drops instantly, mm-hmm. and it just makes that sound perfect. Like, the little moments when, you know, T'Challa first jumps down the, you know, when he goes, you know, I never freeze. That beat drops, his his theme drops instantly. Like, 
there were just perfect moments. Oh, another one was on a bridge when the uh, whole kinetic energy comes into play, where he, you know, he does a somersault off the car, and you know, after he was taking bullets, the bridge also drops there. There, fantastic. Like it was just really, really good. Like the music was used so well between the score and the actual original music which is obviously done off the album. So, man, it's, the score, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah and, Carlos, and Carlos, you what? mentioned that Killmonger's uh, score when he's represented. So I, I, kept a, I kept an air up for it this time around. I was like, damn, like, this is it's my so good. Um, I just bought it, bro. Like, I was like, oh, I got to get it. I've definitely so, listened to it on Spotify. So, it's yeah. so <laughs> good. Uh, just because, just like, you see Killmonger just popping up, then you hear I'm like, oh, God, I can't. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh man, the beat is dropping. Like, oh man, I would dance right now if I could. But it was, it was just so good. All the right, score and Kendrick's if, album. Yeah, if we um, can take a beat for a second, um, Brianna, we do have her for a limited amount of time, so she's gonna sign off here. But I think we've kind of just scratched a little bit of the surface here, so we're gonna keep going a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, but Brianna is going to be signing off here. Uh, Brianna, thank you for being on for this episode. As always. Yeah, absolutely. If you do like a part 75 Black Panther episode, <laughs> I'd be glad to be on. All right. <laughs> um, where can people find you on the internet and everything like that? Uh, you can find me on social media, um, Brianna Manzano. <laughs> uh, or, as usual, you can find me uh, on the Screenfellas site, writing reviews ever dutifully. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for joining us, and we'll try to get you back on soon. Yeah, for sure. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Will do. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys. Well, now we get to continue talking about Black Panther. All right. Well, you guys touched on the music, and I I just I love I, I really do love Killmonger's score. <laughs> I really do. I'm great. It's so good. Uh, so that is definitely my favorite aspect of that. Uh, but I do now kind of want to move into something that uh, you were talking about, TD, with a lot of the side characters. and Because you yep. really said you get to know a lot of these characters, and you're right. Uh, so I do want to yep. touch on them. I want to start with his sister because she, like, I feel like that character could have been just so just there kind of like surface yep. level, whatever. But you actually feel like there's a... I think what's unique is that you actually feel like they, the T'Challa and his sister, like they knew each other, like they were brother and sister beforehand. It doesn't feel like we're yep. just like the brother and sister. No, they genuinely feel like brother and sister. Like yep. we all have siblings that, that are... We all have siblings who are talking on this podcast, I'm pretty sure. And we recognize that that's what that looks like that's what a brother sister yep. relationship looks like and it just comes across so clearly and so evidently and she just feels like a genuine character from the very first moment we see her and from one of the first things that she does which is flick him off it's like yeah that that's about right <laughs> so yeah it's yep. it, it's just that she was probably one of my favorite of the um side characters if you even want to call it that but uh, yeah, so what characters stood out to you other than her? Or if you want to talk about her, go for it, uh, TD. Uh, I would say, and I'm mad Brianna got off, because before we started taping, she mentioned how like she didn't like the, what are those lines? Oh, the, the, you know, the, the, obviously the Vine meme. And, and it was like, come on, like that's a nod. Again, that's a nod to the culture. I, I get it. Like 
there there were one or two jokes that like, were a little bit unnecessary. Um, but that wasn't one of them. Just because, again, we've never had the opportunity to have such a meme or such a line in the Marvel Universe. And then the fact that we have it, yeah, let's go. Obviously, don't overdo it. But that was a great, I thought that was a fun line. Again, it's just just a nod to the culture, right? And then um, her overall character and, like, just see how to charm to her. It was like it was almost like slight innocence, even her voice and the way that she talked, and even when she she would call out, um, uh, what's his name, Everett Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would call Everett Ross. Obviously, he was like, "Don't scare me like that, colonizer." That always gets a laugh. <laughs> and then even when she's talking to him, when he's he's flying uh, the spaceship, which by the way, or the you know the little Quinjet, which by the way, I thought shared a very 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 obvious resemblance to Killmonger's mask. Mm-hmm. I think that. If you look at the Wakanda, the Wakanda um, um, Quinjets, I think they look very similar to Killmonger's mask. I, I don't know, maybe that was just me, but I, I didn't know if there was a tie in there or was just coincidence. But she was, yeah, but she was just really good, and she was really good, good lines, good vibes, really, really smart. And obviously, the whole idea of she, her being sixteen, and which get called, which gets called out by you know Mbaka earlier in the movie, and. She's likely as smart as Tony smart as Tony Stark, if not smarter. That's fascinating to me. So I'm interested to see where her where her character grows. And as we as we know in the comics, she does take on the mantle of Black Panther, which makes that line earlier on in the movie or that scene where she raises her hand to act like she's about to challenge. You know, kind of interesting, <laughs> yeah. like a little pump fake. Um, but now it was a really really great character. And man, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. People are calling her like the new Disney princess, and that you know totally makes sense all around. It's true. Uh, Ozzy, what um, character showed to you? Uh, kind of Daniel Kaluuya's character, but in a negative way. I just did <laughs> not like his. I didn't like his transition, and I feel like it happened so fast. It does. Yes, you're right. And I feel you're like, right. and I feel like, you know, they really gave his characters such ignorance because he wasn't there, and you know his. You know, it's not like his. It's not like he didn't do anything. He went on a mission. He just failed to capture him. You know what I mean? And the line that got me upset from him was, you know, your father didn't do nothing for 30 years and you're just more of the same. I was like, this man went on a mission. You couldn't <laughs> talk to him. Like, he tried. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? And it was just one of those lines uh, that just really frustrated me because, again, I mean, it was just without any there – any, there wasn't any, you know, evidence towards that. So I was really frustrated. Um, and, again, I just thought – his transition was happened so fast and how he was so loyal to Killmonger was just unfounded. So that was mm-hmm. one of the negatives that I had with the movie um, that I left Super with the quick. second time. Yeah. And just to add on to that too, like I agree, like I think everyone notices that was super quick, um, how his flip happened. And even at the end where, you know, Killmonger tells him to kill T'Challa and he actually decides to essentially or attempt to, I think they, this is where, this is one of the few moments I think like Kugler or whether it was the writing team or just the fact that, you know, they didn't have enough time. But I think they could have developed the, his story a little bit more, like his motivation a little bit more in the sense that what if they could have made like the whole story of Claw essentially escaping with, you know, um, Vibramium in, in 92. I think they could have made that more connected to Kugler's character, whether, mm-hmm. you know, his tribe and his, you know, part of his family and his tribe were the ones who suffered most of that, right? The, mm-hmm. Who were most of the victims. I mean, they kind of allude to it, but it's not really pointed out. It would have been nice if, like, oh, not nice, obviously, it's a terrible tragedy, but if they'd made that connection stronger that, 
oh, no, no, Ulysses Claw is the reason why your tribe got screwed up, like really, really driven, driven that point home. And that way you can understand his hatred for, for you know, for Claw. That would have helped bring it, bring it on home a little bit more. Like, why is this guy, why does he just flip so quickly on, mm-hmm. on T'Challa? Yeah, and I, there's a lot of potential there, too. Like, you can tell that there's a really cool character switch there, but it's just so rushed that... It, you're yeah, right, so rushed. And Kaluuya, it's not to disparage Kaluuya. He's really good in the movie. I just I think that it's kind of... that It's rushed. Uh, to, that's yeah. the bottom line. Um, another character that... I, I don't want to, like... Okay, because I definitely listed her as, like, one of my positives in the movie for, in our spoiler-free review, and I still think she's a positive because she is a brilliant actress, and she is great, but I wish she had a little bit more to do herself, and that's Lupita Nyong'o's character. I just... She's really good, and I loved her character. I just... I felt like they, she was the one who got shortchanged, whereas uh, Danny Guerrero's character is really, really cool, and I loved watching her. She is awesome, and we can definitely talk about her. Lupita is really cool, but she could have been a step further, and I, I, and it's not even that big of a negative because I'm just saying that it could have gone from like a B character to an A character, you know, like it's. I don't know. What what did you guys think of Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Danny Guerrero's characters? Well, I, I would say uh, it's similar to me. It's kind of similar to T'Challa, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense that all like the other female characters had a little bit more shine to their scenes, a little more highlights, mm-hmm. and Lupita was sort of like like T'Challa, a little more fundamental. Like she drove the plot forward in a few ways. Like obviously after T'Challa quote unquote died, she's the one who made, you know, True. you know, essentially his rebirth happen. So she was like a driving force behind everything. But again, there wasn't necessarily any standout highlight moments as much as the other characters. True. And but they allude to it though. You know, they drop hints here and there and, and we both know her comic book history of she eventually becomes a villain in the comic books. Obviously you see what happens with Mbaku and you can tell like Ryan Coogler mm-hmm. and Marvel don't always follow the comic books, and for those that don't know, Mbaku obviously is called Eight Man in the comics, and that's something you cannot do in 2018, especially <laughs> with a movie like this. So his whole character and you know changes, you know, obviously in this movie, and and I feel like Lupita maybe possibly, but I do think. Oh, timeout. Let me take a quick timeout. Okay. Right. I love what Screenfellows is doing. I love what you guys are doing. I love the pod is going. The website is going. You guys are writers on board, and I wish to I continue. I wish and hope you guys continue to grow. Because the other screen movie pot, uh, movie website is taking me off, and that's Screen Rant. Screen Rant is taking me <laughs> off because they had an article, maybe like two weeks ago, that had the, the title was, is Lupita Nyong'o's character the real villain in Black Panther? And that was a title. That was oh, a title, God. right? So you couldn't even like escape it. It was straight. Oh, I didn't gosh. read it, but I see that, and that messes up my whole first viewing experience. Yeah. The whole time, I'm like, is she, is she not? And I'm trying to decipher that myself. And because obviously her, her comic book character has that background, and obviously she's a spy, there's something secretive about her. So that kind of messed up my movie watching experience, and that's just unnecessary as a website. Like, stop trying to get clicks. That's just terrible, man. Like, just, you know, there are other ways to reword that title yeah. to not, you know, make it feel like a spoiler. But either way, um, her character has hints to what she could become in the future, and I think that's when we're really going to see her shine, right? Okay. So. She was kind of like laying the groundwork here. That's why she doesn't really super stand out. Yeah. Uh, and to to just a little bit go back to your screen rant comment, 
That's why the Twitter account Film Clickbait is a must follow if you like movies <laughs> because they call out crap like that all the time and it is amazing when they're just it's just an extremely sassy Twitter account where they'll quote tweet headlines from all of these websites from Screen Rant which is a frequent uh, a frequent what? highlight on film clickbait, by the way, from Screen Rent yeah. to even Variety, they'll call them out and be like, they have no idea. They're just making a BS article. <laughs> it's great. It's just a great follow on Twitter. Uh, I like. I used to get down with Screen Rant, I, and I still do. It's just that they, you know, they've started putting out more and more content, and they're just getting all willy nilly with how they word things and title things. I was like, guys, settle down. <laughs> Don't be messing up the movie experience just because you want to get a few clicks. Come on. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. That, that. that annoyed me when you said it, that they did that. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> no, I can't stand that. Um, yeah, man, um, when it comes to Lupita, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, I mean, I think she, I don't know, man, because, you know, I really like Danny Guerrero, and I feel like she, she did is such great. an amazing, I think she did such she's, an amazing job. And um, Yeah. Oh, I thought you said, okay, never mind. I thought you said pause. I was like, what? Oh, oh no, my bad. bad. No, you good. Um, I, I loved her character, and I thought, like, the, I look, I love her because I've seen The Walking Dead, and I think, again, she gives a, she gives power, she always gives powerhouse performances in The Walking Dead. Um, but in this one, I mean, she brings it, she just does it to another level, and I, I love the fact that now she's doing movies, because you're seeing her career grow, and, um... Dude, she just did such an amazing job, and she was one of the best. She gave one of the best performances in the movie, and um, just I mean, you can just tell that her and Daniel Kaluuya have, uh, you know, they've had they they're not seen together on screen a lot, you know, but you can just tell that they love each other. So when she tells him, "I will kill you for Wakanda," and you see like kind of the heartbreak in her eyes, like you feel that. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have necessarily given more Lupita Nyong'o more screen time. I, th- I think that's what you were talking about, Carlos. Mm-hmm. Um, more screen time. Um, if if I had to do a two hour and fifteen minute movie, if I had more time to do, if I had like a just make the movie, movie longer. Yes. Let's just yeah. Yeah, I would have. I would have given it to. I, I would have <laughs> gave the additional like maybe 10, 15 minutes to her. Cause she also. And this is one of the things I'll say about this movie. Lupita Nyong'o is one of the first. Um, what you know, besides, besides Thor Ragnarok's, you know, um, romantic interest, um, female romantic interest. Yeah. Valkyrie that actually kicks ass and fights back. And I love that. And I love the fact that we're kind of getting, that we're getting these superhero movies out of this, out of this phase where like the women are in distress. No, they're helping the guys kick some ass. And I love that. And she was such uh, the Fifteen Younger was just such a powerhouse, and I love the fact that you know she was in a lot of these action scenes, Definitely. and she was doing a lot of stuff, and she was not being a distraction to necessarily being a distraction with Black Panther, but he wasn't worrying about her because she can hold her own, and I think that we need more. Um, rom- if you're going to have a romantic interest, I-, I would hope that we go more in this direction where they can handle their own. So, and yeah, I really, I really enjoyed uh, the Fifteen Younger though. She was amazing and that, as well. Uh, and they're definitely like obviously they kiss before the movie ends, um, but they're definitely a couple because in the post credit scene when he's walking to to the podium of the United Nations, he's holding her hand, mm-hmm. like it's like an actual like relationship. Like it's like oh look at that, look look go on go on yeah. do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like uh, let's take even back to the casino scene. Like Lupita was like like her in that dress. I don't know if you guys saw, but the angle was because 
Ryan Coogler did like a notes on the scene, which is like the YouTube series where he breaks down, where directors break down a scene from a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Taika Waititi did a really good job breaking down a breaking down a Thor Ragnarok scene, and Ryan Coogler breaks down the casino scene. And there are a few freeze frames, and you can just see how built out Lupita's back is. Yeah. Like she's absolutely in crazy shape. This entire movie, as everybody is really, and you know how she uses her. She takes off her heels, and that's kind of like a symbolism to you know show like you know re, you know reversing you know femininity and taking her heels off and using that as a weapon. And her foul, her her fighting style, how that contrasts with you know Okoye's fighting style. And, it, you know, it's a really, really good breakdown. I suggest, you know, everyone take a look at it. But also in that scene, it also shows, like, the cinematography and how there's a, that one tracking shot that essentially follows the entire battle. It's very similar to the, you know, final battle in Avengers when Iron Man flies through and it fires off a repulsive beam of Captain America's shield, and then he, he takes to the skies, and then he's hanging out with Hawkeye, who's then hanging out with, you know, Hulk and Thor. It was a very like one shot type type, and it's, it's stuff that you notice the more times you watch it, and how really impressive that was. And the highlight of that scene, really for for a good amount of time, was Okoye and Lupita. Um, so I think they were both really amazing as a character. Though Okoye stood out the most to me, just because from the very from the very get go on on a Quinjet with uh, T'Challa, and, and she goes, you know. She's getting ready for battle, and T'Challa goes, "No worry, Okoye, I can handle this myself." And the look she gives him, it was like <laughs> yeah. comedy, but it was also, and that was a character. She had comedy, she had charm, but she always had, also had this absolute "do not mess with me" nature to her. Um, so even when she tells the the villagers that they're free, uh, oh, actually that they were in Nigeria at that time. Shout out to Nigeria, by the way. <laughs> and she she tells the villagers, "Speak nothing of this," with a very stern face. But in that same token, she she gives him like a little smile too, and it's like that was that character. It was very strong, but also very charming. Um, so even in the back end, when uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character goes, "Would you strike me, my love?" and she she goes, "For Wakanda, without question." Like it was that dichotomy of that character was so really well, really well, really well done. Um, I was a big fan of what Okoye brought to the table, and I'm so happy she's definitely in Infinity War. So that one last shot in the trailer. Where they're all in Wakanda, and um, Okoye is in that battle, front and center too. So um, that was, you know, she was great. She was great all around. And um, I'm ready to talk about Infinity War when you guys are. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> oh man, bro, I, so that's like, my most anticipated movie of 2018, man. Like, I, 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 I actually, can't wait for that movie. I actually, I actually was. I don't. I don't know if it's going to do more than their Black Panther did in the first week. I don't know. I, think, I really I don't think know. Well. I think it was. Here's the thing, right? Because Captain America: Civil War was essentially an Avengers movie, and that made 179 million. Like, I think just overall, like, people just tend to stay home more now. I'm not saying it's going to do bad, but I think the reason why the highest Marvel movie is Avengers One is because there's just diminishing returns after that, right? Like, people yeah. are used, and you're never going to get the first Avengers anymore, right? There's definitely a part to Black Panther that the the reason why it's doing so well because it's the first of its kind, right? So I don't know if Infinity War is not going to be the first of its kind. So I don't know how much that's gonna. The reason why I'm off. Yeah, I mean the reason why I'm saying it is is because I mean this is this has been I mean we've been following the journey um, since 2008 with Iron Man, whether we knew it or not at the time, and then we we knew it we knew what we were basically heading towards when we saw the first Avengers. 
Yep. And since the first Avengers, we've just gotten so many more characters from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. Spider-Man joining the fray, Doctor Strange, now Black Panther. Um, you know, just a bunch of characters. Um, you know, we're getting the culmination of this entire universe finally together. Like, we're finally going to get the Avengers meeting the Guardians. Um, we're finally going to get to see... Uh, we're we're going to see, like, random team-ups between, like, Doctor Strange, yep. uh, Iron Man, uh, Spider-Man working with Doctor Strange, and, and Ant-Man and everybody. I mean, it's just... That's going to be like the entirety of an entire universe just joining together, and I think that I think that's going to reinvent. Um, I think you're going to get that that nostalgia back again, and um, I also feel like I mean this is, I mean you're also interested from the because you know they had such a fallout from Civil War, you know, um, yep. and you're interested you're you're interested to see how they're going to work together. Like how is Iron Man going to work with, with Winter Soldier? After finding out that he killed his parents, like how are they gonna how are they gonna work together? How are they gonna get past that? Um, how is yeah. Cap gonna how is Cap gonna react? Um, you know, there's just so many things um, that are just leading up to that, and I, I feel like that's gonna be the, the thing that really gets him. But I'll say this though: you see how you mentioned like there's a lot of like you know threads from other movies mm-hmm. that are that's what I was gonna say. Get the payoff, and you didn't need that for Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing that's a huge success of Black Panther. Like. The only thing that's a tie into anything else is his father died in Civil War. Which, quite frankly, if they wanted to, that could have been the start of this movie. Like, remember back in the day when, you know, Civil War, apparently the whole idea was let's try to get Spider Man. That deal fell through, and then it was then they brought in Black Panther to the story. So imagine a world where Spider Man gets signed with Marvel a year earlier. Black Panther would still have happened, because I think at that time, mm-hmm. Mike Kluger was already on board. Like, I think Black Panther would still have happened without civil war and you know very likely would have gotten the same story his his father T'Chaka would probably just have died earlier in black panther right so mm-hmm. i think black panther existed really outside of the marvel cinematic universe and that was the only thing attaching it to previous movies you did you didn't need to watch the marvel cinematic universe prior to this you had a lot of people leave the theaters every watch before the post credit scene because they don't know how marvel gets down like yeah. they're, they're now part of it um, with Infinity War, while again, I'm there day one, and I'm there day two, day three, day three, four, and five. <laughs> I know, I, I've been waiting on this. I just don't know if it's going to get the overall love. Uh, and another, another aspect to Black Panther that made such a, made it such a huge biographic success is like a lot of celebrities and people who are well off were out here buying out theater screens for for young kids to watch it. I don't see that happening with Infinity, like. You know, Snoop Dogg did something, Eminem did something. Like, a lot of people went out there out of their ways to make kids. We also the video of kids dancing in the classrooms. I don't think that's going to happen with Infinity War. Granted, Infinity War is so big and has such a huge audience with Downey and Chris Evans. They might not need it. But I'm just saying there's a slight chance that due to diminishing returns and for this not being the first of its kind, which Black Panther was, that it might only get to about 190, 192. Again, Civil War was 179, and Age of Ultron was 191. So it might more be in that range than it is in 200, but hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think we're looking at like 180, 190 probably, and that's that's not a bad number on that's any level. Right on any <laughs> level, that is not a bad number. If they get 180, 
Marvel will be dancing. Like they'll be hap throwing a party because that's a great number. And let me emphasize, everyone always says, and this is what I prob when I said 200 million for Black Panther, people probably thought I was doing this was that everyone's like, "Oh, it's going to make 200 million." People don't realize only five movies now have made 200 million opening weekend. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Yep. So, yep. yes, this movie is if Infinity War is going to do very well, but 200 is a lofty number. And there's not I agree with TD. There's not the novelty that there is with the first Avengers or that there is yep. with Black Panther. There's just not. Um, yep. Now, I think it'll help if they, which they will be, they will be doing this, if they lean into the Black Panther of it all now, um, which yep. they probably that, will. Yep. That'll definitely help. I mean, they are, because, yeah. I mean, you're going to be seeing it. I mean, the most, there's, there's a battle taking place in Wakanda. Yeah. So, which, yeah. which shows you the difference between Marvel and DC. Marvel <laughs> knows what it had on its hands. Like, yes. it's known for a while. You've had directors like Scott Derrickson tweeting out how, Hey, this movie is very, very big, right? Um, and, you know, even Kevin Feige came out and said, you know, this is the best Marvel movie they've ever done. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that before we leave. But mm -hmm. they've known at least that they had a hit on their hands. And so you can tell Infinity War, story-wise, it makes sense, especially with how Black Panther ends. And, the, you know, the post credit scene with the UN, it makes sense that Wakanda plays a big part in it. But, like, unlike DC where... Wonder Woman was a success, and they were like, oh, let's go do some reshoots. And in the reshoots, we all heard the stories about them making Wonder Woman more prominent. Mm -hmm. And even in, in the marketing and in the, the storyline. Yeah. And it's like, they Marvel has known what you know what they have on their hands. I would say this, though. It's interesting that even in Wakanda, it's a, you know, it's a minor thing, but even in Wakanda, when they're going to battle with Black Panther's army, that Captain America is the one in the middle leading the charge, and not not T'Challa. And it's it's a minor detail, sure. but it's like little things like that that, you know, DC sought to change in marketing and even in the movie, you know, and I wonder, you know, I don't think Marvel's going to change that. I'm sure there's a reason why Cap is leading that charge. Um, he is Captain America after all, but there is, there might be a little bit of like, come on, man, he, this is his freaking country. This is his army. What's yeah. going on here? Yeah, I so, mean, I'm, I'm thinking that he's leading it because he has more of a leading experience than T'Challa. Remember, T'Challa just... Yeah became king as the cap has been yep. running the show since <laughs> a few years now you know um yeah so that's why i think they gave it ultimately to to, to cap on that shot which it's, it's for us like comic book guys that's so fascinating right you always like seeing like when the whole group gets together who's running the show like speaking of avengers one of the very best moments of that movie and i always point to it and whoever i'm watching it with i'm always like go watch this like one of the best moments ever like is when you know hulk comes back and he does a whole um rebit, uh -huh. and right after that, you know, you know, punch the big old whale. Him goes cap call it because it was the first time that Iron Man, you know how Iron Man is, he like succeeded. Like okay, Cap is our leader, and Cap calls the shots. It was the first time like they became the Avengers, and you know yeah. you see the track shot of all of them, and then Cap actually calls out orders. Like that was that is the one of the most coolest moments in superhero history to me because. It was. It actually came to light. You actually saw because early on in the movie they're fighting in the woods and this, that, and the other. But at that moment they're a team 
and Cap was the leader. Like, there's always that mm-hmm. question, who's going to lead, who's going to lead, which is another reason, so I don't mean to keep bringing up Justice League, why that was such a disappointment, because the whole idea, the whole idea of Batman v Superman and Superman dying leading into Justice League and a remorseful Batman was so annoying because we never got to see that struggle between Batman and Superman of who's the leader. Like, that was always a cool dynamic of, like, Batman being a detective, never super really trusting Superman, and we never got to see it because we saw it in just in Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. a very rushed, illogical movie. Like, so yeah, again, I, I don't mean to keep bringing it back to that, but you're good. That, things like that are fascinating to me. Like, who's the leader? The team dynamics. We just watched NBA All Star Weekend. I'm always fascinated by that. When the All Stars get together, when Team USA is together. Who's running the show? Is it LeBron? Is it the point guard? Like, that fascinates me because that's the cream of the crop. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there are going to be several leaders in this, though. I mean, there's just, I think, you know, because, again, you do see a shot. You do see a shot. I mean, if you pay close attention to the the Avengers Infinity War trailer, you see a shot of T'Challa really taking control of his army, and you see see Bucky and Cap in the back, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, yeah. Yeah, so Cap, I feel like they're both going to be really working together to lead the army, to lead this army as like a joint force to take out the threat there. Um, yeah. But I think the Wakandans are going to actually end up respecting Captain America. Um, yeah. Because I mean, just because of yeah. you know his moral, his morality, and everything, and I think they're going to be like, okay, wow, like, this is a really good guy. But yeah. um, I'm I'm so excited for this movie. I think this movie's going to break. I think this movie's going to make two hundred mil. I did uh, two hundred thousand, but like two hundred mil. For sure. Um, just because, again, this is this is not just Iron Man, Thor, you know, your typical Avengers roster. This is like everybody coming together just to stop this guy. Um, and we're finally going to get the Infinity War. We're going to get the Infinity Gauntlet. And we're just going to see Thanos wreck shop. And, um, man, but wouldn't like that, you say, that, like, Civil War had some of that, too? Like, I know it was named yeah, Captain, but I mean, Captain I mean, America, like, but... But the thing, for, for me, that was disappointing about Civil War is that we only got one battle scene with a war. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, if you think about it, you know, because as much as I love that movie, I wish there would have been more battle scenes like that. But there wasn't. We only got one uh, battle yeah. montage of that. And um, yeah. I would have liked to see Rhodey, like Rhodey or, or, or Scarlet or, or, you know, Black Widow be a part of that and be like, OK, Tony, calm down. And then I would have liked to see people just be like, no, like let Tony kill, kill, um, kill Bucky. You know, so I feel like I feel like I feel like that would have been interesting to also have that in there, even if it's less characters, but you still have characters, you know, fighting for these reasons, and you know, you still completely understand them. Um, so I feel like it just lost the momentum towards the third act. Not to say that it wasn't a good act. I, I love the fight scenes there. Um, yeah, again, it, I mean, it, it's peaked, just... it peaked in the in the second act. Yeah, with the airport. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I Which remember like up. that's yeah because everybody <laughs> talks about that scene. You know, like when it comes to Winter Soldier, what are the what's the scene that everybody talks about? Everybody's talking about how Captain America um, is fighting Bucky, and for me, that is the that is the best that is the best action scene that that the MC, that the MCU has ever done. Okay, when it comes to like one on one fighting, that is the best scene um, where. Cap is fighting Winter Soldier for the first time. And well, let's see. Like, like the next scene after that is probably like like the one of the best fights for me is is the airport scene. That's like and that yeah. that's one of the top ones. Um, but let's and so, that's yeah. good, right? And that's really good because I feel like that's a, a couple of areas where people kind of duck. And I guess we're probably going about to have a, whether yes. it's Black Panther rank, but like where you kind of duck Black Panther points, right? Like it doesn't have some of that. And I would say like it didn't need. 
some of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think from a choreography standpoint, I would have loved to see, again, this is the same creative team that worked on Creed from a director and, and, and actor standpoint. I would have loved to see, so the Creed has some amazing boxing battles. And granted, that's boxing. You know, the rules of that is different. I would have, rather than the actual vibranium mountain scene, I would have loved to see like a great hand-to-hand combat, you know, with, with, um, with, you know, T'Challa and Killmonger. But, you know, that's fine. But I would, I do agree that Winter Shoulder had the best fighting scenes just from top to bottom, from the, from the, you know, the, the, when Cap is on the ship all the way through, I thought those, I mean, when Cap takes on a freaking helicarrier by himself with his shield <laughs> and the elevator, like, like I know Carlos, he, he's a different cat when it comes to Winter Soldier, but <laughs> I mean, as far as Marvel movies, like in terms of like typical superhero Marvel movies, Captain America Winter Soldier is still number one for me. And I don't, I don't know where to put Black, Black Panther because it's tricky, right? Because Black Panther... Captain America Winter Soldier needed the whole, like, shield background for it to work. And Black Panther didn't need any of that. It's truly standalone. So, uh, you know, it's still something I'm kind of struggling with, kind of like where to put it and see if it actually deserves to be, not deserves, obviously it deserves to be wherever it wants to be, but I don't know if you, you can really gauge Black Panther through the lens of superhero movie alone, because I think it's way more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, and it is. It is more than a superhero movie. And if I'm going to give Black Panther like any action scenes, I'm going to say it's where they go to the club. Um, that oh, that yes. casino yes. scene. I mean, that's casino scene. Like just with the music going into it, we like, boop, yep. boop, 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 boop. and you just see the Peter Nyong'o, Chadwick Boseman, and um, Danny Guerrero yep. just wrecking shop. I'm just like, damn! Like you feel every hit. And yep. um, and I'll say like another scene that I love from that movie when it comes to the fight choreography in Black Panther. It's just you when Michael B. Jordan ends up beating the crap out of T'Challa. Um, you just feel yep. those just feel punches. It. You I, feel I, the love impact. It. I, I love when I feel the impact. Um, yep. And I feel I feel like that was one of the best uh, fight choreography scenes as well. I mean, just just him just beating the crap out of out of T'Challa. It's one of the best. It's one. It's one of the most visceral scenes too that we've ever gotten in the MCU. It's a very mature I, scene. So I mean. Um, yeah, man. Um, again, I'm excited for like, I, I am, I am. Like, I, oh, God. <laughs> for real quick, I, I super do like the, um, the, you know, the, the, the car chase scene too, as well. It had a little oh, hint yes. of fast and furious in there. And the one thing about the trailer that I did not like going into the movie was again, just a black Panther flip where he lands off the car. And I thought that was just, you see it, it was in every trailer and I just got tired of it. Yeah. But when you see it in the movie, and the setup, kinetic energy in the suit thing, it really pays off. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, like, yo, you've been building up kinetic energy, and he actually uses that power. And it was like, yo, that actually pays off really well. And, again, that's another good moment with the, you know, with the score hits. Um, so, that again, that works for me. And I can keep talking about this forever. So, <laughs> Carlos, what have you got next? <laughs> we'll <You're good>. <laughs> um I guess we should probably finish up with um, just what you're talking about, where where this movie ranks. Obviously, this is pretty fresh, so we don't need to, like, set it in stone or anything like that. Like, <laughs> nobody's going to super hold you to this, but I think it's yeah. fair to talk about. Um, I will say for me personally, and I know this is an aspect that people complain about the Marvel movies for, um, especially hardcore uh, <laughs> set-in-stone DC fans. Um, complain about the Marvel movies for is the humor. 
I that's actually my favorite aspect of these movies for the most part. Um, when it works, I think those movies kind of are above the rest, and that's and this list is going to be very personal for me. By the way, this kind of arrangement. Yeah, it here. should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, Guardians is still my favorite. I mean, it, it always will be. It for the most unless something unless another Guardians movie comes out. I I, I just love yep. that movie. I. See, this is different, though, because the humor doesn't work for me as much in Black Panther. And I know you kind of touched on it, TV, but for me personally, the, the humor did not work a lot for me. There's moments that it did, but some of it, a lot of it didn't. Um, but this movie is so much, it's it's so different. It's It really is. It's not trying to super be humorous. It, it almost has the humor in because it's like we have to. We're in this universe. We have to. So... I don't know. Like this movie, it's so much deeper than a lot of the other Marvel movies. So yep. it's hard. Yep. It's so different. Um, yep. I'd probably put this somewhere around three or four. Um, for me, I and I know this is going to sound like super recency bias, but if you just based just take into consideration what I just said with the humor, how important that is to me with a lot of these movies. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is definitely up there for me. I, I think it's well, probably my you're second. You're staying up there. Let's get, let's get your top four. Let's get all your right, top all four, right, top all right. five. Is... All right. Guardians is one. Thor is two. Okay. And this is okay. another recency bias thing. I'm going to say Spider-Man Homecoming is three. Then okay. Black Panther at four and probably Civil War at five. Mm, fascinating. Fascinating. Um, I would say, see, see, that's interesting to me because Guardians, like Guardians, was fun. But when I go back to War Building, right, like that's the world where it's completely different, completely new. I don't feel like they did as good War Building as Black Panther did. Like, so it was a funny movie, but quite frankly, like outside of like you know Rocket and his lines and Peter Quill and a couple of moments here and there, I don't necessarily remember that movie all that much. And again, that's just me personally because I haven't mm. haven't revisited it as much. I probably watched Guardians one three times, which is really low for me, because usually I watch the movies I quite a bit. I watch it three times in theaters. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, I, I might have watched it twice in theaters and maybe once since, and that's it. Like, So, again, I don't feel like it really stuck with me that well, and for mm. me, it has to impact me. It has to stick with me. I can't just watch the movie and join the movie theater and then go on about my day. I want to go home and listen to the score. I want to go home and like read up on the, you know, on the comic book origins. I want to go home and watch some of the cartoons. I've been watching... Avengers Assemble this weekend because I want to see more Black Panther. <laughs> Obviously, it's different quality of content, but by the way, Marvel is hella smart because their cartoons on Disney Channel for the past year have been of all the like quote unquote new Secret Wars Avengers, right? Which mm -hmm. is Black Panther, Captain Marvel, those yeah. <laughs> Ant Man and the Wasp, which is essentially all the new properties they have movies coming out yeah. with in the next year. So they're, they're coaching up the kids and like, hey. These are the new superheroes because they came over the storyline where the original, the OG Avengers are all captured, mm -hmm. and like it's all about the new Avengers with you know Black Panther being the only senior Avenger kind of like hanging back, and it's just really smart way to you know yeah. you know educate kids on what's coming out next. Um, but overall, again, I, Guardians didn't do that for me. So I mean, for me, yeah, I, I have a special place in my heart for Winter Soldier, man, because that movie starts off and. It's one of the few movies where there's a section. It's one of the few Marvel movies where I just want an entire movie based on like one section of it, one act, and that for me is is the um, stealth suit Captain America. Like the first twenty minutes where he's on the you know Lumerian Star, he, you know he does the whole Metal Gear Solid type 
action scene. I want a Cap movie just based on him working for S.H.I.E.L.D. in that time. Like, because the change between Cap at the end of Avengers to Winter Soldier is a big one. And I want to know what happened in between. I want to see him working for S.H.I.E.L.D. And so that's why I love Captain America so well. And that score is also fantastic. It's done by Henry Jackman, who's a, who's a Hans Zimmer disciple. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. big Hans Zimmer guy. Um, so I really like that movie. But, uh, again, I, uh, so that's one for me. I, I just don't know where I can put Black Panther because I think Black Panther means more than every every Marvel movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like it just means more. So I don't, I don't think, same way whenever I do an overall superhero movie comparison, I always say I'm not putting the Dark Knight into this because that's a different, that's a whole different thing entirely. Mm-hmm. And I feel ultimately that's how Black Panther is going to feel for me. I'm not saying that it's like similar to Dark Knight because they're two completely different movies, but I don't think I can put them in the same, same stratosphere because they deal with different things. Um, but for the purposes of this, I'll go Winter Soldier 1, Black Panther 2, um, Avengers 3, um, Avengers 3, Civil War 4, and then for 5, I might go Thor Ragnarok for 5. Um, yeah, so that, yeah, I think that, that, that's, you know, that form is definitely my top 5. I would say my very last Marvel movie, Still the Dark World, and <laughs> Shots fired. probably second to last is... Uh, Did you just spark another debate? Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> Ant- well, Ant-Man, I liked the, like, I didn't dislike Ant-Man. I just, again, I watched it, and I, okay, cool, and I'm went on about my life. It had zero impact on me. And speaking of, I feel really bad for Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out this year as well, because <laughs> I, I just don't know. I hope it surprises us like Winter Soldier did, but... With everything else that's coming out this year, Black Panther's Infinity War, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp is like, really, guys? <laughs> really? I don't know. But hey. I love the poster, the poster for Ant-Man and the Wasp. And if you guys haven't seen it, you guys need to see it. It's so funny. <laughs> um, in a lot of ways, this feels like the complete opposite from Black Panther, right? It's a movie that's super essential, <laughs> super needed and landmark. And obviously the cast is 98% black. And then you have Ant-Man and the Wasp where it's like, why does the movie exist again? Like what's going on? Like that's Jeez. I feel like I just feel like I, I loved Ant Man. I remember going to Ant Man with my friends and then like that kissing scene with with, uh, with Paul Rudd and, and Evangeline Lilly and I was laughing. I was like, haha, yeah. And then all my friends were looking at me and I was like, what? And they were just like, that's so you, bro. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was just like, what do you mean? Um. I, I, oh I don't God. know if Ant-Man exists, though, if Marvel had more characters, right? Like, that's the one character where it's like, well, I don't know if you exist if you had rights to, like, Spider-Man earlier or some, you know, other characters. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it surprises. I, li- I like the look of the trailers. I like what the Wasp was bringing to the table. I hope, I'm hoping it surprises. We got Lawrence Fishburne in there, Morpheus. I'm hoping it surprises. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, we'll have the Thor rag- or Thor the Dark World debate another day. And I know no, yeah, Ozzy and I are coming no, from a bad position because most people hate that no, movie. No, we're not. But Thor the Dark World, the worst thing Marvel's ever put out. I are you all oh, dude, 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 Like he's really sparking it right now. He's really sparking it right now. <laughs> I'm oh, it's, oh. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm I'm oh. soon though. I'm doing the whole. 17 and 17 Marvel movies. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to get on that too, but you need to stop and something. <laughs> We're going to have a debate. We won't even know for almost like two hours, but, um, yeah, I know. No, I think, I think, I think my, my, I think my number one, uh, is Thor Ragnarok. I loved Thor Ragnarok, just the score and the action. Um, and then made Thor just, 
so overpowered in this movie, and I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Um, and one of the things that I loved was the villain, also Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I like loved her as a villain. I loved her as a villain. Uh, and if and if it's one thing you have to compliment um, Thor, the the trilogy of Thor, although although be it the second one, the second one I can honestly tell you the villain I did not care for. But um. Besides the second one's villain, Thor has brought out some of the best villains in the MCU, and it's like Loki, and I think I think she I think she would be like a third, like the third best because I loved her as a villain. I love Kate Blanchett as a villain. Um, yeah. I thought she did amazing. But I think my number two would be uh, Civil War. Um, again, I just I loved I loved them going into conflict. Um, Age Age of Ultron, James oh, Spader just really did. dude. I, Dude, I loved uh, the thing that I wish that they would have focused on him more. I, I loved him also as a villain as well. I just feel like yep. they needed to develop him more. But his performance is ultimately what saved, um, what saved it for me because I feel like James Spader ultimately did a really amazing job. And it, for me, it's just sad how people also toss him around as like a, just like a, your classic, uh, your classic MCU villain. Because I felt like he was so much more than that. And I'm definitely revisiting that too. And you see, but you still see kind of the the fallout. I mean, even in this movie, yep. uh, some of yep. the fallout from Ultron, you know. Yep. Um, and I feel like people have forgotten that, and that you know the Sokovia Accords happened because of because of how, because of the Age of Ultron, and um, uh, you know, for me again, it's just it's. I feel like I feel like they're not giving Ultron too much love, and I feel like that's uh, that's a negative. Um, but I mean, again, I love that movie. Well, wasn't that one of the faults of Ultron? It was that it was setting up all these future movies, True. right? Like the thing is, the, the, the thing is, I'm going to say the the fault of the movie was just if you look at the trailers and if you watch the movie, you're going to be kind of disappointed because you're not getting what you were what you're getting. Like um, when you first saw the trailer, you're just like, damn, like this stuff is going to go down. Like this is going to be kind of like this is going to be crazy. And you don't really get that in this film. What you get from the film is what we what we see now still is still the effects of what Ultron did, um, and that's what I was realizing in Black Panther. Like you know, you still had Claw. The only reason why he has why he had that uh, vibranium weapon was because Ultron cut his hand off. Um, the only yep. reason why, and one of the reasons why the Sokovia Accords happened was because Tony created Ultron. Um, yep. So you still feel the after effects of Ultron still in the MCU, um, yep. and forever for you'll still see it in Infinity War because Ultron created Vision. So again, I mean, it's just something that I, for me, it's just that the movie does not get enough credit, especially now since we're still seeing so much fallout from mm-hmm. from uh, yep. so much effects from Age of Ultron. So that's your number three. Yeah, that's my number three, and then number four is probably going to be. Black Panther, and then after that, it's probably Winter Soldier. But it's it's tough. It's tough though. But one of my things that I love about Black Panther, which I will, which I will continue to praise about this film, is uh, is the good man aspect while being a king. And I, you will just seeing Chadwick Boseman's, you know, trouble, you know, trying to be both and just to struggle to be a king and to try to please his people is something that I found absolutely uh, fascinating about the film. All right. Sure. I, I would have an overall recap, too. And again, that was like my personal top five in terms of like Same. enjoyment. But I will say this. Every time I watch, again, I've seen Black Panther three times, and I'm looking forward to seeing it four times next weekend, right? 
And every time I've watched it, I enjoy it more because it goes back to what I said earlier at the start. It is the richest movie Marvel has put out. Same way um, American Gangster is a movie that I really like, and I know it has some flaws in it. But it's a movie that whenever it comes on, I always watch because the performances are so good. Seeing the scene is so good. And it's just rich. And actually, speaking of parallels, Jay-Z did a concept album for that movie, specifically just for that movie, because Jay-Z at the time was in retirement, and then he came out just to do a concept album for that movie, similar to what Kendrick did here. And again, it was just, it was just a rich movie. Good performances, good scenes. And I kind of feel that happened with Black Panther. And I'll say this, again, there's a difference between preference and just quality. I Quality-wise, the one it achieved, and based on what it went for, I would say Black Panther stands above all, but preference right now, again, just because of how much I enjoy Winter Soldier, that's why that's still my number one. But ask me in two weeks, and Black Panther probably might have over- overtaken it from a preference standpoint. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love Winter Soldier, and Carlos and I will forever have that debate uh, about Winter Soldier. Uh, I'll have the debate with everybody, so whatever. Carlos <laughs> yeah, is mean, my uh... guy, man, but that's, there are a couple of things that are a little bit off about him. It's love for <laughs> Thor The Dark World. And that man and his hate of Winter Soldier. I would never understand those things. Ever, ever, ever. I will never I understand his hate for Winter Soldier. I mean, I agree with oh, him for the first two things fine. you said, but Winter Soldier, I'm just like, oh, really? Come on. Right. <laughs> Don't get it. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> I mean, that suit alone, that stealth suit alone is the best suit still in the Marvel Universe. Like that oh, dude, I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you. It's amazing. It was a huge, it was a huge wardrobe. Um, update from the horrific oh, yeah. costume that Captain yep. America wore in the first Avengers. Yep. Oh man, yep. I will never forget my reaction to that. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing I do like, and I've mentioned the Stasi before, and we haven't gotten around to doing it, but I definitely want to. Um, and this is not in regards to Ozzy. You're right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Okay. Uh, this, <laughs> this is not in regards to my takes that I still hold strong on with uh, Winter Soldier and Thor The Dark World and Ant-Man, which is a good movie, by the way. Um, but anyway, I do want to have something where we go back and like talk about um, like the worst takes in regards to movies that we've ever had and that we now look back on and go, what were we thinking? And one of mine is in regards to Age of Ultron, because when I first saw that movie, I was like, dude, that was so good. It was like better than the first Avengers. And it is not. I'm like, well, how did I even think that at the time? I don't know. I agree with you, Ozzy, that it's an important movie in terms of the overall story of the MCU. And I do like some of the stuff they were doing with Ultron, but that movie is so flawed. It really is. And I, that's like one of my most shameful takes I've ever had. So I do want to have a segment where we talk about those kind of things at some point. I don't know when we'll do it, but I, I think it had some of the same floors guardians Two had where it's like, it just did again. It just felt like the middle and it is the middle. It's part two, but legitimately felt like the middle of a story and didn't feel self-contained enough. Guardians was guardians was the setup with the villain was super weird. It didn't really, it wasn't a usual act one, act two, arc three. It was like it was one entire act, and mm-hmm. it, it was it was super odd in just the design and and feel of it. Um, Ultron did have a lot of good character moments, though, which I really liked. Like it was the back and forth between Tony and 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 Cap, which has been which was brewing since Avengers one, but in Age of Ultron, it really comes to a head because in Avengers one, there is the they have back and forth, but it it's kind of icy, and then the whole Loki scepter thing was playing with everyone's minds. Whereas in, in Age of Ultron, it was legitimately there was beef between them, like, and they had their little moments. Where it was like, 
you know, what you know, what happens if we can't defeat him and the cap goes we'll lose together. You know, we do it like there was there were really cool character moments that I liked and so that for me that saves it every time I rewatch it. It's like, oh that, at least that was cool. Like, yeah. So Yeah, I mean for me it's you know, again, it's Ultron. It's um especially some of the team ups that we get. I mean, I loved the combo of Cap and Thor every time like Cap would just do something with the shield and, and Thor would just counter it. And I love their team up. Um, and also just love some of the dialogue in that movie. Just, um, I remember one of the first scenes, like, you know, Hulk, you know, Thor, uh, what was it? Um, Banner was feeling bad. And then, and then, uh, Black Widow goes, uh, Hey, what's the casualty count Thor? And then Thor's just like, the gates of hell is screaming with their victims. Screams <laughs> of his victim. Yeah. And then, and then ben is like, oh god, no. And he's like, uh, oh yeah, and uh, and and you just see Cap and Cap in the back just like smiling awkwardly, like, yeah, he probably shouldn't have said that. So it's just, um, it's just some some of the some of the chemistry that they have as well. It's just it's just so good and enriching. But what I will say about the about Age of Ultron, which I will say is like a, is a negative, is you, we just get like that kind of that slow, I'd say like slow 10, 15, uh, 20 minutes where it feels long because you're at you're at Clint's house and you're just like, yep, yep, can we yep, pick it up? Agreed. And, you yep. know, then you have that random, uh, you have that random throw in from Thor where he's having that yep. scene and you're yep. just like, okay, I would watch Matt, I would much rather see that. Yep. Like what that's turned into, than you know what's going on at uh, at Barton's house. Um, and I know yep. they wanted to give Hawkeye some justice and stuff like that, but I feel like they could have gone about it like in a completely different way. Um, yep. It was yeah. Just, it was to give Hawk, Hawkeye something to do, right? And then the Thor thing was again just to set up future movies, which again they really didn't pay off really well. Cause no, it doesn't. That <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. The Thor Ragnarok they were setting up is not the Thor Ragnarok we got, yeah. which is good because we got a great Thor Ragnarok, but it's two entirely different movies yeah. that we got. So, um, no, that's I, – oh, I know, I know we've got to wrap it up here. I did have one last thing to say oh, about Killmonger and how, like, we debated should he have died, should he not have died. He does not fit in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's true. Like, he just doesn't fit. Like, you can't see him teaming up with any other villains like – what he was aiming for and going for was way more serious than any any of the other villains are going for. So, overall, I think that's, again, even Black Panther, too. Like, because we've already seen him in Civil War, I guess it's, it's still going to make sense. But the themes and, the, you know, the, the actual motivations and stuff that the characters have to deal with in Black Panther just seems, again, just way too weighty for most Marvel Cinematic Universes, especially, especially Killmonger. Like, I don't see him having a conversation with Tony Stark. Like, like... <laughs> Completely two different planes. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But hey, I mean, maybe, maybe I know we kind of didn't mean to go this far. <laughs> I guess I know this is just a Black Panther spoiler review. Well, maybe we can do like a like a like a whole C like a whole MCU kind of um, episode as well. And just, and just work review. Yeah, I yeah, and just, and just go through like all the movies and, and go on from there. All right, we, we really got to wrap, boys. My phone is going to die in the middle of recording, so we really have to wrap. Um, all right, TD, thank you for joining us for this episode. Hopefully people um, enjoy a lot this long conversation about Black Panther and the MCU and everything else in between. Um, TD, where can people find you on social media? I'm at producer TD. Uh, check me out on social. If you want to check out the pods that I work on, hit up at uninterrupted. Uh, you know, doing some cool stuff there in the sports world. So check us out.
Definitely. All right, uh, Ozzy, why don't you sign us out? All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please feel free to listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Also, check out, check out, check out our ring content that Brianna does. Please want to hear from more from her. All right, guys, this is Screen Fellas.